Hello, everybody, and welcome. I'm Peter Goldstein, founder and chief synergy officer for WeDidIt.Health. And I am so excited for another wonderful presentation. And, and this time it's going to be more of a conversation. So bring us your questions. I have Dr. Rizvan Bukhari, Dr. Riz with me today. And uh, he will be very happy to answer all kinds of questions about, about health and lifestyle and cardiovascular disease. So a little bit about Dr. Riz is, uh, really can we uh he, he asked the question can we prevent and halt and even reverse cardiovascular disease and dr riz says absolutely yes we can and that's what he advocates for so dr riz became board certified in lifestyle medicine in 2019 and lifestyle medicine that certainly includes food and all the other lifestyle aspects and and maybe dr riz can tell us a little bit more about it uh, he is committed to helping his patients live a healthy lifestyle to prevent and even reverse chronic diseases he founded the north text Texas Vascular Center offering diagnostic services and minimally invasive outpatient procedures to prevent amputation and limb salvage. Dr. Riz also hosts a segment on Healthy Lifestyle Solutions podcast titled Doctor in the House. There he educates listeners on the risk factors associated with chronic diseases. So with that, um, I would like to invite you to join We Did It Health and join our community where we are organizing groups that we call passion pots. So talk about your passion, network with other people who are very passionate about similar topics and, and help us all inspire hopeful curiosity with people we care about. So with that, I would like to welcome Dr. Dr. Riz, uh, hello and welcome. And everybody, please post your questions. This is more of a conversation today. Normally, we uh, often we have a presentation and slides, but uh, this is a free flow conversation. And Dr. Riz is happy to answer questions about cardiovascular disease and especially uh, and lifestyle medicine. So welcome. Hi. Hi, Peter. It's uh, uh, nice to see you again. Thank and it's you. great to be so here. Good to see you. Thank you. Welcome. Well, um, with with that, uh, would you uh, would you like to tell everybody this really amazing uh, uh, lifestyle medicine and and everybody? I think you've noticed that there's board certification for doctors in lots of different areas, and it was such a thrill to see in the recent past uh, a board certification for lifestyle medicine, uh, which includes uh, which includes diet. So Dr. Riz, will you tell us more in depth about what lifestyle medicine is and the uh, American College for Lifestyle Medicine? Sure. Uh, you know, I, you know, this, I'm pretty long winded. I hope that you don't mind uh, because there's a little background behind all this for me. Uh, my wife and I, Maya uh, Acosta, who runs the Healthy Lifestyle Solutions uh a podcast that you mentioned uh, that I'm in on, uh, we uh, we got into whole whole food plant based nutrition for our health uh, many years ago, and uh, 
one of the pathways to doing that was we had started to learn about something called the blue zones. Uh, and that's areas in the world where people live uh, long life, live long, healthy lives. Uh, in fact, they were statistically shown to have a higher proportion of centenarians or people who live to be over 100, but not just living to be over 100, but 100 and healthy. So it's not like they were debilitated in a nursing home or anything like that. Uh, and a guy named Dan Butner, uh, sponsored by National Geographic, went and uh, uh, profiled and highlighted these places and looked at the people and uh, then wrote a book called The Blue Zones. Um, and uh, there were some characteristics that uh, people, you know, these all of these places had, even though they were spread out all over the world. Uh, one was here in the United States in Loma Linda. One was in Costa Rica, one in Japan one in Greece, one in Italy. And so even though they were kind of all spread out all over the place, they had common characteristics. Uh, and uh, and so what they did is they kind of broke it down and looked at these common characteristics. One of the primary ones was that all of these societies ate a plant-forward or plant-based diet, uh, primarily plant-based. Uh, and that was a, a big deal. Another one was that the, all of these places had uh, the people uh, got a fair amount of exercise on a regular daily basis, whether it was uh, and, it, and it, I'm not talking about, you know, massive bodybuilding or, uh, you know, uh, Olympic running. Uh, you know, we're talking about regular daily reasonable exercise. And uh, so they didn't they didn't hop in the car and drive two blocks to the 7-Eleven. Uh, if they were going to the market, you know, and they didn't have 7-Elevens, but if they were going to the market, they walked there. And and they gardened on a daily basis and they went for uh, evening constitutionals after their dinner. So exercise was a regular part of their daily activities. And there were other characteristics having to do with uh, lifestyle, which had to do with getting adequate sleep and um, some sort form of spirituality uh, and social connections. And so there was, uh, again, a lot of uh, an avoidance of uh, major use of risky uh, uh, uh substances like alcohol and drugs um and so while uh, this was very interesting to us and you know we uh, really kind of adopted uh these concepts uh as our own as well um in 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 leading to a more healthy lifestyle and then we came across the american college of lifestyle medicine which is a uh, you know uh, at that time a fairly young organization uh and it was uh a more organized western uh, program of physicians and healthcare professionals who uh, had a, uh, the pillars of lifestyle medicine. And these pillars of lifestyle medicines very closely reflected those findings in the blue zones. And so I was naturally attracted to the American College of Lifestyle Medicine uh, and uh, that organization and what they were doing. And, uh, and uh, so we joined that and, uh, and, and they had a, a board certification pathway. Uh, so uh, I, I became very interested because I uh, by this time I had adopted these concepts and was teaching these concepts in my practice to my patients uh, to live a better and healthier lifestyle. Uh, and uh, so I uh, 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 satisfied the prerequisites for the for the exam, studied for the exam, and took it back in 2019. So that's how I kind of became board certified in lifestyle medicine. Um, and you know what I'd like to say about that that organization is that. I, you know, I love what uh, what they're what they stand for and that they're trying to show that if we lead uh, better, healthier lifestyles, we can prevent 
a lot of these chronic diseases from occurring. And, and even if you have disease, it's not too late to adopt a healthy lifestyle because you can halt the disease or even reverse it um, and certainly make yourself healthier than you would have been had you continued down the path of kind of what I call the standard American uh, diet, which gets you down the path of standard American diseases. Uh, the American College of Lifestyle Medicine is a, a great organization. When I, uh, when I joined just a few years ago, there was 3,500 members. And despite the pandemic, they grew from 3,500 members to now they've got over 10,000 members in just the last you know, three or four years. So there, I think there's a, a growing awareness, kind of what you're, you, know, you guys are doing with We Did It Health, uh, as far as a grassroots movement, spreading awareness, making people aware. Uh, and so people are finding out about this organization and growing as well. Oh, beautiful. Um, so, yes, they're an amazing organization and, and growing and the whole movement is growing. So it's just so wonderful to see that there is the solution to prevent and even reverse uh, chronic diseases. Uh, we have a question from Miriam. Uh, Shiro, I believe is, is how she pronounces uh, her last name. And she says, uh, well, first of all, she says, thank you, Dr. Riz, uh, for this. Uh, and she, is, she says, all my sisters already had bypass surgery. And that's kind of amazing. All her sisters, I mean, it used to be that only men would get, or mostly men would, would, be, would get the heart disease. But here it is. I guess that just shows us that um, that it's the numbers of people with heart disease are just uh, are just growing so much, and maybe that's something you could tell us. But uh, she's saying that she's she's here so that she doesn't end up with bypass surgery like her sisters do uh, have, and she's looking to learn about the lifestyle. So, what would you advise, Miriam, uh, in her quest to? To bypass bypass surgery. Yeah, that's a really good question, and and that's you know really right at the heart of what we're trying to teach. I I joke that I'm trying to put myself out of business. If I can teach people how to prevent the disease, then they won't end up on my operating room table. And uh, you know I think that uh, uh, there's a lot of ways to answer this, and a lot of things I can say about it. Um, the uh, first off to address what you said about uh, women and men, I think that. There's kind of this conception that women have the disease less, but that's actually not true. By the time uh, women reach menopause, they begin to catch up to men uh, in the levels of cardiovascular disease. Uh, and so uh, at, the, at, at least in current day, time, current day we, you know, it's a, a fairly even split in the amount of disease. And it also may have been that in the past, decades ago, uh, women sought health care less, and so therefore they got uh, the, the bypass is less as well, but I don't think we see that anymore. Now, to address the thing about your sisters and uh, and you, uh, uh, the uh, we, you know the uh, they probably lived a certain type of lifestyle, which led to the development of atherosclerosis or plaque buildup in the coronary arteries of the heart, which then led to the need for uh, bypassing those arteries, fixing them in one way uh, or another. Uh, and what you you know what you can do to try to not let that happen is to adopt a healthy lifestyle, uh, which uh, tends, which will help you not, you know, not develop those problems. Now, the the likelihood is that you already got the the basis of atherosclerosis. We almost all do. 
studies show that uh, 80% of people by the time they're 20 have the beginnings or the foundations of atherosclerosis in their arteries. And then uh, it develops insidiously over the course of a few decades. And, you know, how fast it occurs and who it affects depends on the, you know, your lifestyle choices for the rest of your life. Um, uh, and some underlying genetics, no doubt about it. But genetics is not the primary thing that, uh, you know, determines our outcome. Um, uh, the the environmental for forces at work, especially our diet, is what turns on and turns off these genetics uh, and, and, and genes and things like that that uh, form disease. And what they've shown, is, uh, you know, we've seen is that if you can keep your cholesterol down below 150 and if you take in a great deal of fiber on a regular basis and you eat a healthy uh, 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 plant-based diet and you do anything you can do to uh, manage your uh, chronic conditions, you can reduce your risk of uh, cardiovascular disease. Now, I won't say you can eliminate it because we all, you know, the, the, the reality is we all succumb to something at some point in our lives. Even those uh, centenarians I talked about uh, in the Blue Zones eventually passed away. Uh, but it's a matter of uh, living a longer, healthier life. So, uh, you know, what I would say to you is that uh, you can uh, adopt a healthy lifestyle by primarily focusing on plant-based, whole food, plant-based nutrition, uh, and, uh, incorporate exercise and, and, and get regular sleep, uh, on a regular basis. Uh, and there, you know, there's, there's, it's a great, there's a, it's a much more detailed answer than just those things. You know, we could delve into each of those things much more, uh, carefully, but the, but the primary risk factors in, uh, atherosclerosis are, uh, cholesterol, diabetes, high blood pressure, and obesity. Uh, and if you have any of those conditions, uh, then you certainly need to work on those. And again, a whole food plant-based diet uh, is the best way to uh, primarily affect those. And if you have those conditions, you all should, should be on medications for them. But I will say that the medications are just managing the disease. They're not affecting the disease at its core. Beautiful. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, Miriam then also says her concern is that about genetics. Now, how how much influence do genetics have on on heart disease? So genetics, uh, I, I I again I have a couple of things to say about that. We are all ninety nine point nine 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 percent genetically identical. So no matter where you come from, all humans are uh, genetically identical, uh, and it's just the expression of the those genes which makes us different. Uh, and the expression of the genes is a, is a science called epigenetics. And uh, epigenetics is what turns on and turns off different sets of genes. And so uh, one, one set of genes might be turned on and you get brown eyes. One set of genes might be turned on and you get blue eyes. Similarly, uh, in disease processes, uh, some genes can be turned on to allow diseases to occur. Some genes can be turned on to prevent diseases. And uh, so... There is some genetic predisposition, and then also there are some populations that are just more genetically predisposed to some things. But genes really are only responsible from anywhere from 5 to 20% of our chronic disease. Uh, that's kind of, you know, asking and looking at different diseases and, and getting different opinions from different experts. But we all agree that the vast majority of disease has to do with um, environmental exposure. And environmental exposure basically means what do we expose our bodies to uh, on a regular basis, on a daily basis? The most uh, extreme of those, when you think about it, can be something like tobacco exposure on a daily basis. 
we know that causes cancer. We also know that uh, if you go expose yourself to plutonium, you know, that's even more extreme, you'll get cancer uh, or solar radiation. So those are environmental exposures that uh, rapidly accelerate uh, the production of disease. Then there's other exposures that are more insidious. And that one of those is our food. We expose ourselves to food as much as three or four times daily, you know, when we're eating our eating. And so that is an environmental exposure that then that food, uh, depending on whether it's good food or bad food, toxic food or healthy food, um, will certainly affect your health by turning on and turning off uh, different processes in the body. And if you can imagine if someone's eating bad food every day, uh, sugar, salt and oil, processed foods, lots of meat, they're setting themselves up for getting all sorts of chronic diseases such as diabetes, obesity, hypercholesterolemia, atherosclerosis, and hypertension. Um, uh, those are all scientific facts proven with studies. And then, but if you look, if you feed your body full of whole foods such as fruits and vegetables and whole grains and legumes, uh, natural foods on a daily basis, then you're certainly giving your body the most healthy foods that are turning on the healthier processes. We know that uh, whole food plant-based diets reduce the risk of uh, prostate cancer and breast cancer, and they're also good in reducing the incidence of recurrence in people who've had breast cancer and prostate cancer. We know that uh, a standard American diet uh, causes about anywhere from 9 to 13 different types of GI tract cancers, uh, whereas whole food plant-based diet does not cause cancers. Um, uh, so there's, uh, these are the ways that the diet, which is one, our most frequent exposure, um, can affect our genetics to turn on and turn off different uh, disease processes. And so uh, it's not too late, even after a few decades, to change to a, a healthier lifestyle uh, and uh, start to begin to improve your health, turn off the, ba the bad genes, turn on the good genes, uh, you know, and, uh, uh, and improve your health. So yeah, genetics is there. And I, the other way I look at it is genetics is what loads the gun, but it's lifestyle that pulls the trigger. You can have a good lifestyle and not pull the trigger, or you can have a bad lifestyle and pull the trigger. Yes, I've, I've, I've heard that many times. Uh, genetics loads the gun and lifestyle pulls the trigger. And it's, it's just so amazing because, because it is the lifestyle where we can make our choices. Um, yeah, I, I, I will. Here. Let me let me interject here by saying, you know, kind of a, a motivational factor is this to say that, you know, if you if you do the same thing over and over again, you cannot expect a different result. So if you live the same lifestyle as your sisters, you, you can expect the same result. And so sometimes my patients will. Uh, but if you change your lifestyle, then you can hopefully change the outcome. And there's there's people who come into me and say, my dad had a heart attack. My mom had a stroke. My uncle died at the age of 42 from a heart attack, uh, so I'm doomed to die. And my answer is, yes, you are, uh, if you do the same things they do. So let's try something different. Let's look at things differently. And if you change your lifestyle, you're at least giving yourself a chance to live a different life. Beautiful. Well, um, and uh, I would like to also welcome at this point, uh, not that she'll be on air, but I see that Maya is with us. And, and hello, Maya. And uh, Hi, so Maya. nice to have you. Yes. Uh, so, uh, Miriam, so Miriam has been vegan for 10 years. Um, you know, maybe this is, this is a good place to get into a little bit of a conversation between the differences be of being vegan or whole food plant-based. And... Uh, 
And along along those lines, also perhaps uh, you know what, and it's a follow up question. I'll save it for for a follow up question. But what what are the major differences and distinctions between vegan diet and a whole food plant based diet? Well, that'd probably be part of my answer, anyways. And uh, uh, so, yeah, not speaking to uh, uh, Miriam's lifestyle because I don't know what her lifestyle is like. And there there is a spectrum of what we call plant plant-based okay and so you might hear me throw in the term whole food plant-based a lot and we've kind of gotten lazy and sometimes we say plant-based but uh plant-based just means that you're not eating meat-based foods but whole food plant-based uh really is very specific about a particular lifestyle and so a vegan diet is a plant-based diet uh and it can there's a whole spectrum of uh, the diet there there can be what i call on one end of the spectrum kind of very similar to a standard american diet where there's a lot of oil uh salt sugar and processed foods a lot of fried foods they uh you know uh, uh, what i love about uh the vegan diet today is that it is it's a tasty diet uh and it, and it's a it's a great uh you know so you you know for for the those people who thought uh, being a vegan in the past was a, a dull, bland diet and eating salads all day. Well, you know that was that's not the way the, a vegan diet is. It can be quite tasty and 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 very satisfying, but that's one end of the the spectrum where it doesn't confer much health benefit over the standard American diet. Uh, yes, there's no meat, no dairy, no cheese, uh, no eggs, uh, and there is some health benefit conferred from that, but. If, if you're still eating a lot of salt, oil, and sugar, eating a lot of fried foods and a lot of processed foods, uh, it's not much healthier than the standard American diet. On the other end of the spectrum is the whole food plant-based diet, which is salt, oil, and sugar-free. And, and, uh, and, so, uh, and then something, there's a whole bunch of places where you land in between, and all of those are plant-based diets. Um, and I always, I always say that um, at home, Maya and I are very, very good because we make our own food and we get to determine what we put in there when we're eating out, uh, you know, you know, whether we're traveling or going to a conference or, uh, something like that, we don't have as much control. You know, we might be eating a plant based diet and, and even whole food, but we don't get to control how much salt, oil, and sugar are in there, for example. So, you know, that's, uh, uh not everybody lives a perfect diet all the time, unless you're li really just literally preparing it, uh, yourself. Um, but what we've seen is that if you are whole food, plant-based, SOS-free, um, that confers uh, a significant benefit over the standard American diet. Uh, so, you know, that's uh, – and everybody falls in a different place, and there's different reasons for doing it. Uh, I got into this space, I call it, uh, uh, for health, uh, but I very quickly became – uh, an ethical vegan. Uh, once I learn more, and an environmentalist. So I kind, I call it, I kind of call it that triangle of uh, uh, health, uh, uh, animals, and environment. Um, and uh, most of the time, Maya and I um, adhere to a really nice uh, whole food, plant based diet. Like I said, especially at home. Yes, beautiful. And and myself, I started out from the health perspective, and and I lost fifty pounds, and my cholesterol and triglycerides that were off the charts have come to normal and living a mostly and I look at myself and compare people my age who who are where I was years ago um, 
you know, I think I'd probably be be a hundred pounds heavier heavier at this time, and and probably on all kinds of meds, and mm-hmm. I'm not on any prescriptions at this point. Um, so so back to uh, Miriam, who who's showing her appreciation, and she says she she feels at ease now, and and Miriam, there's a lot of hope, and and definitely take a look at tweaking tweaking your diet and, and making sure that you're you're staying staying on a, a more than a vegan a, a more than just vegan but uh, some of the things that dr. Riz talks about with with the oil and processed foods yeah um, you know if I might comment uh, 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 one thing that I'm uh, you know I, I feel like I've got to, I got to combine the best of uh, the kind of my standard uh, Western medicine where I, you know, and also now this kind of a lifestyle thing. And one thing though, that I'm big on is data points and feedback. And if we don't measure things, we don't know where we stand. We also don't know where these tweaks and these changes, if they're having a positive effect on us. And so, uh, Miriam, I think along with living a healthy lifestyle is also getting checked up, um, finding yourself a healthcare provider who, who understands what you're doing, uh, and can kind of work with you to see and make sure, especially with that family history, uh, you know, make sure that you're doing the right things. They can do some simple testing to kind of check your health. Uh, and, you know, uh, I do things like I wear uh, the, the watch, uh, which has a whole lot of health feedback for me, heart rate and uh, respirations and oxygen saturations. And these things are going to continue to get better where they'll start telling you your blood pressure. So I am a scientist at heart too, in the sense that, uh, and that's good because what I'm preaching here as far as the diet uh, is scientifically based and scientifically proven. It's not just a fad. So part of that is getting um, feedback. Uh, You can call it biofeedback or biomedics. and, And these things then can help you tweak again your health and there's so much more to it you know there's there's uh uh what is your weight um you know uh your body mass index uh you know uh, you know having actually checking out your labs what is your cholesterol what is your hemoglobin a1c what's your blood pressure like you need to know all these things so that if there are these issues you can focus on them so sorry for the interruption peter no, no. Well, thank you so much. That's that's exactly that's beautiful. I I appreciate your input, and that's why we have you as a guest. You're, I, you have such wonderful vis- wisdom and information to share. And you know, you touched on being being science based, and and I would like to add that this this entire whole food plant based. Uh, I don't know, call it a movement. Most people don't like to call it a movement. But this whole whole food plant-based lifestyle mindset is very much science-based. And I uh, would like to mention Dr. Greger's nutritionfacts.org, where, where uh, Dr. Greger's organization, their mission is to review all, all the nutritional studies in the English language and then process that information and he uh, you can look up just about everything any questions you have it uh, about the research and this is all based on on unbiased unsponsored medical peer-reviewed the the best research possible so everything that dr riz talks about and and all the doctors in in the whole food plant-based uh sector that they're all science-based 
Um, I agree. Uh, absolutely. Uh, 100%. Yes. Uh, do you have, uh, do you have, do you have any sense of how many studies Dr. Greger's organization has reviewed? Oh my goodness. It's gotta be in the tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, because his organization has been going for a long time. He has a large group of people reviewing these studies. I mean, he's got thousands of videos up there. There's kind of, I call it the rabbit hole. You can, you can go search any top, <laughs> any topic uh and just put in you know your general words and uh as, uh and there'll be there's lots of videos that are going to come up and give you plenty of t uh, uh uh viewing time uh, on information so it's, and especially the more common ones uh so if miriam wanted to go research cardiovascular disease if she just put that in uh she's going to get dozens if not hundreds of videos to review Absolutely. And, you know, what amazes me is Dr. Greger published the book, How Not to Die, and the book is like that thick. And mm -hmm. the last third of the book is, is references. Mm -hmm. he, he refers, I mean, that, that thick, a third of this thick book is, is just citing references. It's, it's amazing. So it's all, it's not just fad diets. It's not just somebody got healthier by something, but it's, it's very deep science. Well, let me move on here. We have Linda. She says she has she has mild corroded plaque. That's such a hard word for me. Can this condition be improved by following a whole food plant-based diet? So uh, the simple answer is yes, Linda, I think so. And this is the you're kind of the ideal candidate uh, to if if you don't if you're not only following the lifestyle, to go ahead and and be aggressive about it. Uh, because that mild carotid plaque is the beginnings uh, of plaque deposition. And that's where if it gets worse, if it c continues to deposit plaque in that area, it's going to put you at risk of having stroke. Um, so mild right now means that you've picked it up before it's become a problem. And uh, and it's the great thing about it is it, it's such an easy place to monitor because obviously you had it picked up by some sort of imaging study, most likely an ultrasound, but it could have been also a, uh, a CAT scan or an MRI. But uh, it's so easy to uh, monitor with ultrasound. Now you can make lifestyle choices that uh, hopefully will halt this disease and maybe even reverse it. So if you're aggressive about that whole food plant-based lifestyle, over the course of years, you should see that this should not progress. Um, uh, and so, uh, yes, I think uh, you're, you're in a great position to prevent yourself from having a stroke. Beautiful. So moving on to vegan knowledge, JJ, she, she wants to ask about salt. Could you explain how if your whole food plant-based diet is no salt, um, then she, she's asking if she if, about iodine and necessity of salt in, in our health, cardiovascular health. Yes, that's a very nice question. Uh, so, yeah, uh, the uh, I think the consensus is, is that, uh, uh, well, I guess I'll start this by saying there, the, the daily recommended amount of the RDA uh, for sodium is 1500 milligrams. But the average American gets somewhere between three and four times that, somewhere around 4,500 to 5,000 milligrams on a daily basis. So we're getting, we, we, we all take in way too much salt as a society than we should. And the idea there is salt is uh, directly responsible for increasing our blood pressure. Um, and uh, uh, then, then that blood pressure, hypertension, is one of the main risk factors for cardiovascular disease. 
So that's how taking in too much salt can contribute to cardiovascular disease. Uh, and so uh, in, in my patients and in general, we know that by eliminating salt from your diet, uh, it, it, it helps uh, reduce the blood pressure and or cure blood pressure problems in at least 50% of people. So that uh, we know it's a significant contributor to hypertension in our society. Uh, there's salt in almost everything out there. Uh, when you eat out, they put a lot of salt in your food. Processed foods have a lot of sodium. Um, even the, uh, the healthier foods that we tend to buy from the store, if you go to the store, uh, you have to be careful about that. If you're buying canned beans, you can buy a, a can of beans with 700 milligrams of salt in them, or you can buy a can of beans with 60 milligrams of salt or sodium in them. And so you do need to be cognizant of that. Um, and so uh, in, in, if you're very aggressive in eliminating any added salt to your diet, uh, it can significantly help your hypertension and then therefore reduce your cardiovascular risk. Uh, and so you, you don't need uh, to add salt uh, in order to get the amount, amount of sodium you need. Um, there is salt in all foods, most foods naturally. There's sodium in celery. Um, there's sodium in all, all of our foods. So a, a, a good, a varied whole food plant-based diet is going to get you the amount, all the sodium you need on a daily basis. Uh, and at the same time, be healthy in the sense that you're not taking in too much uh, and not contributing to the risk for hypertension and therefore the risk for cardiovascular disease. As far as uh, iodine, uh, the iodine in salt uh, that you buy on your table salt is added iodine. So uh, you don't have to uh, use table salt uh, to get your iodine. You can get iodine from other healthy sources. So, so then eating... a uh a whole food plant-based, uh, minimal salt, sugar, and oil, uh, and a large variety. And I, I think I've always noticed that a large, a variety of foods is always part of, part of the recommendation. So mm -hmm. with all that variety, then the iodine, the sodium, everything is available through, and, and we do get all that through, through the variety of food. Yes, absolutely. And there, there's very few things that uh, you might point to that you might, won't get on a, on a good whole food plant-based diet. Probably the only thing uh, is uh, vitamin B12. That's something that uh, is well known in the vegan community. And, and that's not really a consequence of the diet, but it's more a consequence of modern day public hygiene. Uh, uh, the, uh, and, and then uh, because uh, our food sources are so clean that we don't get the bacteria that help us produce the B12 uh, because the foods are so clean. In the older days, um, people would get that uh, in their diet. Um, and, and, and some people think that we need to eat uh, uh, meat-based foods in order to get that B12. But the, the reality is those, those are just supplemented anyways. And so uh, I, the only supplement I really recommend as a necessity for uh, uh, vegans and whole food plant-based diet eaters is a uh, B12. So for example, I take a, a B12 uh, vitamin uh, supplement once a week. Um, you know, people do talk about vitamin D, but that's not a uh, vegan specific thing. That's a, a, we as a human species have a vitamin D deficiency because we just don't get out in the sun as much as we used to. Uh, so uh, that's not a diet specific thing. Wonderful. Um, 
Deacon JJ, let me let me see it here. She was she also talked. So there's other lots of other aspects of of uh, a healthy diet, but she was talking about specifically about acid reflux. So uh, she's noticing that uh, she's not getting acid reflux, which she used to get on mm -hmm. a regular uh, on the, the standard American diet. Um, can can you listen? I mean, there's probably probably fifty different things that that uh, besides chronic diseases, where where a whole food plant based lifestyle addresses. So aches and pains. I mean, can you can you name some of these other things? Acid reflux, aches and pains, and just just everything else besides the major chronic and maybe yeah. even list the major chronic diseases for everybody. Yeah, you know, that's very interesting. Um, and uh, I think that uh, speaks to an underlying truth. Um, and there's, uh, again, I have a whole lot of ways to kind of express this thought. There's one thing that I will say is that as uh, most of us walking around didn't realize how bad we were feeling because we kind of just, that was our new norm. So there's a, a bunch of people walking around thinking the way they feel is just the way they're supposed to feel. And then when they improve their diet and lifestyle, uh, so many things improve and they go, gosh, I didn't know how good I could feel. I feel so much better than I used to. And uh, because they've been living for decades, eating kind of this certain way, putting toxic foods and bad foods into their body, and it just makes them feel a certain way. And so, you know, the there, there are the major diseases that I talk about, major chronic diseases that ha are significantly impacted by your diet. Uh, those being uh, type 2 diabetes, hypertension, hypercholesterolemia, triglycerides, obesity, hypertension. You, you actually see significant changes in all of these numbers just on a few weeks once you've changed your diet. And those are all uh, major chronic diseases uh, that cost our country hundreds of billions, if not trillions of dollars a year in treatment and in medications. Um, and then, you know, you go and change your diet and, and those things go away. So it's not that you're just managing them. You're actually treating the underlying root cause, which makes the disease go away. And uh, but at the same time, and this speaks to what you're talking about, there's a whole lot of, of these other vague symptoms that tend to improve. And I've seen people talk about aches and pains in their joints, uh, just a general malaise or tiredness, because I think, you know, we know that the inflammation in the body goes away with a whole food plant based diet, whereas the, the standard American diet is a very inflammatory diet. You're very acidotic, whereas on the other diet, it's very alkalotic and the uh, so the inflammation goes away and you feel better. So there's, as I said, aches and pains in the joints, the general feeling. So, uh, I've had lots of people talk about their allergies improved. Um, and, and this is the one that, uh, is it JJ, I think, just mentioned that it's one of the most common ones I hear is that my gastric reflux went away. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, it's not not unusual. And I do, I, I point out the, uh, the documentary Forks Over Knives all the time. Uh, to to point this out, uh, to uh, because they were they were uh, with this individual in the movie. They were dealing with just a specific subset of just a few diseases which they were uh, focusing on. Uh, but that person had filled out a questionnaire, and when at the uh, when they were reassessing, uh, not only did they dramatically improve uh, their major endpoints, but that person had all I think a list of like twenty one other uh, relatively non-specific and vague uh, symptoms that also improved. So uh, it, there are a whole host of other things that people talk about all the time, uh, other than the chronic diseases that they feel better. Excellent. Well, thank you for all that. Um, 
So uh, let me ask you if you would share with us, besides diet, what are the other tenets, the other aspects of, of lifestyle medicine? So certainly diet is huge, and we've been talking about that. But what are some of the other things that people would really want to pay attention to? Yeah, and I, you know, thank you for bringing that up. And I think that diet is probably where you get the biggest bang for your buck. Uh, and I don't think, I mean, that's what I really preach is that you get the biggest bang for your buck with the diet. Uh, that's, uh, but there are also other uh, important aspects to your lifestyle that contribute to overall health and well-being. And uh, the, so the second one I focus on in most cases uh, when I'm working with people is exercise. Uh, and I, and I, you know, I, by the way, I, there's a lot of things to lifestyle and we don't ask everybody to, when we're working with them on these things, we don't ask for, Hey, to change overnight. You don't change everything overnight. I usually help people work in a stepwise fashion. We pick various goals one at a time and start just start moving the needle in the right direction. Uh, and then once you've accomplished one thing, then we work on the next thing. And so, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's not a overnight transition for most people. So, you know, uh, exercise is the next thing that I work on. I, uh, I, I talk to people about um, uh, both uh, kind of the traditional cardiovascular uh, cardio exercise and then also resistance exercise. Um, our recommendations that, uh, is that people uh, work towards getting 30 minutes of uh, uh, walking or power walking five times a week, but it doesn't have to be walking. You can do whatever resonates with you. Some people swim, some people dance, some people go hiking. It's what, you know, get, it's, it's really more about getting out there and moving and being active. As I mentioned to you in the blue zone thing, uh, some people were gardening and I think that counts as exercise. So it's just getting out there and moving and not being sedentary. It's getting off your bottom, getting off your butt, so to speak. Uh, because we are, today we live a very comfortable sedentary lifestyle, which doesn't encourage the same movement that we had. Uh, you know, I think I read one statistic where that if you go back 150 years, we averaged 30,000 steps a day as a society. 30, and that was just the normal day because, uh, you know, they didn't have cars. You walked everywhere. And now today the average is I think it's less than 4,000. And, you know, we have these you know, uh, goals of getting 10,000. I'm not sure where that goal came from, uh, but 10,000 is very reasonable. But for me, that equals four miles. And you don't even have to walk four miles a day. Uh, I think you'll see health benefits when if you just get out there for 30 minutes a day uh, and walk at a re reasonable pace. So 30 minutes a day of walking five days a week or 150 minutes of exercise a week is important. If you want to change that into vigorous exercise, say you're a runner or a jogger or a, a uh, you know, swimming fast or doing something that's a little bit more vigorous that really gets your heart rate up, then you can drop that to 15 minutes a day, five times a week, so 75 minutes. Um, and it's more important to spread it out rather than getting it. It's better to do it several times a week rather than just once a week. Don't get 75 minutes of vigorous exercise in once a week, spread it out. And, and then, uh, so, and again, uh, I'm, I'm a real big proponent of finding what, what works for you. You know, some people enjoy walking and power walking and getting outside. Others prefer swimming. Um, others prefer dancing. Uh, you know, so it's it's whatever's going to get you outside uh, and, and get you doing something. Uh, and then uh, I'm also a big believer that as we age, it's important to incorporate some resistance exercise into our program. 
because we naturally, our muscles naturally atrophy with age. And uh, so, uh, and I'm not talking about, uh, you know, we all, we all are, our society is kind of um, tainted by the bodybuilder kind of approach. And it, I'm not talking about being a bodybuilder. That's really more people. I've seen more people injure themselves by trying to go out and do way too much. I'm talking about just getting some, you know, getting out there and doing some regular resistance. It could be something as simple as doing some push-ups, sit-ups, and uh, pull-ups at home. Or you can, you know, you can be a little more focused with some dumbbells and things and some things like that. But it doesn't have to be heavy weights. It just has to be something that gets your uh, muscles stimulated and 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 producing some muscle. So that's exercise is kind of the second pillar which I focus on. Um, and then there's other things that, I, uh, I, uh, you know, we also talk about, uh, avoidance of significant, uh, significant use of risky, uh, behaviors, uh, and, and especially, uh, drugs and alcohol. Um, the, uh, kind of the, uh, current acceptable standard for alcohol is no more than two drinks a day for a man and one drink a day for a woman. Uh, but in my opinion, uh, limiting your alcohol to as little as possible or even no alcohol is important because we know that alcohol is a toxic substance and does cause disease. Um, it causes cancer and may be a, uh, contributor to atherosclerotic disease or, uh, cardiovascular disease. So, you know, but different people land in different places as far as that's concerned. Um, but I, I'm a proponent of no alcohol. Um, and then certainly avoiding other risky uh, and toxic drugs. And then there's other things such as sleep. Getting adequate sleep is very, very important for your health. Uh, we know that uh, uh, sleep is restorative, and then uh, there are certain hormonal pathways in the body that are affected by our sleep, and so sleep is something else we focus on. Uh, and then, uh, you know, social connections and spirituality are also important. I saw that in the blue zones, and then we focus on that as well in the uh, in one of the pillars, some of the pillars of lifestyle medicine. I told you I can be very long-winded in my answers. <laughs> well, we appreciate your wisdom. You have so much great information. Everybody's loving it. Um, let me see what else we have here in comments. Uh, Miriam is saying that uh, she had she had issue with asthma, and she was says she was uh, given, and I can pronounce that, rheumatis. <laughs> Remdesivir. Remdesivir, yeah. Yes, thank you very much. Um, and um, act, uh, being active triggered up her asthma, and then she uh -huh. goes on to say that she has trouble walking even two blocks. Um, now, is this, a, what impact do you think is could uh I mean, Miriam's eating pretty healthy here. What is there anything that can help her at this point, or what would what would you where would you guide her if you if you uh, and and I I I don't mean to 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 ask you for diagnosis or or medical advice, but uh, any anything that comes up for you and I um, that that might help her. Yeah, that's a that's a tough one, and I'm sorry to hear that. Um, and yeah, no, obviously, we all have to, uh, when we when we make these recommendations for lifestyle, we have to work with each individual and see you know wherever they can wherever they can go. Not everybody can do everything, and uh, sometimes it's uh, you know it sounds like you have some significant limitations. Uh, 
And it's just about a matter of finding what you can do and then just doing that. And even with your limitations, I say that it's, it may be important to do what you can uh, and do it on a regular basis and then see if you can, can just slowly uh, increase those numbers uh, regularly. So if, it's, if two blocks is your number, then just walk two blocks. Um, or maybe find something else. Can you do a stationary bicycle sitting uh, at home? Um, or, uh, you know, just it's, and everybody, like I said, we, everybody has uh, different places they're going to level out. And it certainly sounds like that maybe you might be able to work with a, um, uh, a medical specialist, maybe in the area of pulmonary, uh, pulmonology, who might be able to help you. And, and you're, uh, you know, it sounds like you have the diagnosis, so probably you're already connected with them. Uh, but maybe work with them to see uh, how they can help you improve your uh, your cardiovascular uh, uh, condition. Well, excellent. Um, you know, you you mentioned inflammation, and uh, and I and I've I've heard other times how inflammation is really central to to so many of our diseases and. Uh, the immune system and uh, is is really what it's all about, right? Yeah, the inflammation or immune system, uh, it's part of our body's defenses. And uh, so there's a, a, a good balance that's supposed to exist. They exist for a reason and they're supposed to be there. Uh, but when they're overly stimulated, uh, then they're bad for us. And uh, uh, I can, uh, you know, that's why I say that, you know, our body, if it's our body's chronically inflamed, we don't feel well. And uh, uh, I think that if you go around and measure, the, we have a couple of measures of inflammation, general inflammation, which is the CRP and the SED rate. Uh, most people are walking around with elevated levels. And, uh, and, I, and you saw it in me when I, when I changed. Um, I have some uh, good labs to show. I had some labs done about six months before I changed uh, and about uh, two or three months after I transitioned and, uh, you know, my, my SED rate and my CRP, uh, went down, uh, to almost zero. Uh, it, uh, and then, uh, uh, so many of the other labs changed, but yeah, I think we're all walking around as a society generally, uh, acidotic and more inflamed than we uh, should be. And that's part of the, all of those other things that improve when you improve your inflammation. What I can speak to inflammation from a cardiovascular standpoint is a really good example is that um, atherosclerosis or the buildup of plaque inside the arteries, uh, part of that process is an infl infl inflammatory process. And it has all of these inflammatory cells and defense cells that uh, and immune system cells that are being recruited to the area of plaque buildup uh, to deal with the problem. That problem is saturated fat and cholesterol. They get deposited and injure the arterial lining. And so we have an inflammatory response or a defensive response that goes there. All these cells and soldiers are, I call them the soldiers and they, and they get with their weapons, which are the hormones and the, the leukotrienes and different things like that. And they go get, they get recruited there to go and repair that injury to defend against that offender. Uh, but what happens is uh, two things. Number one, the inflammation is, or what, what happens is that we keep injuring that area so they keep staying there. So instead of it just being a small war, then they clean up and they leave. It turns out to be an extended battle where there's lots of damage and injury to the area, which is the plaque buildup. And so when you keep injuring something over the course of your lifetime, uh, uh, the damage builds up and healing cannot occur. Whereas if you 
uh, and that's a, a, that's something I'd like to talk about is our body's natural desire to heal. Um, but, uh, uh, so, uh, and then we know that diabetes, for example, more than doubles the amount of inflammation at the microscopic level. And so, uh, when you're building up plaque inside your arteries due to cholesterol and, uh, uh, and saturated fat, if you have diabetes, that inflammation is even more than doubled. So the plaque buildup gets even worse. And that's why diabetics even get worse atherosclerosis than, than the, uh, the others. Uh, and that's, so that's why it's important to control and or reverse your diabetes. Uh, and that's how, when you control and reverse your diabetes, it contributes to the reversal of atherosclerosis or cardiovascular disease. And a nice way to think about the injury model is if you get a splinter in your thumb, uh, it hurts. Or, or a bee sting, okay, Look, either one. It hurts, and what happens is, is uh, an injury has occurred, okay, at a, at a very small level, and our body then recruits uh, the repair mechanisms and defense mechanisms, the immune system, goes over there, and they start working, and it gets a little bit tender. Um, and then, uh, so for a few days, that area might be tender as our immune system and defense system is doing its work. But then as you heal, then they go away, and you get better and the pain goes away, the inflammation's gone. So that, that's where it's working appropriately, as opposed to what I just talked about at the, at the microscopic level in the blood vessel. Another way to think about it is I talk about the story, if you put your thumb on the table and you hit it with a hammer uh, and you walk away, well, the body will heal. But if you come back and hit it with a hammer every day and you just keep, every day you just come back and hit it with a hammer, well, the body's trying to heal, but at the same time you're injuring it over and over again. And that's the, what I say is that standard American diet is that chronic daily injury that we are doing to our bodies and our, um, our bodies want to naturally heal. So if you stop the injury, you stop the, the bad diet, the toxic diet, and you need a healthy diet, our body naturally wants to heal and get better and improve its overall health, both in the, at the chronic disease level and all of those other kind of, uh, secondary symptoms as I call them. That is awesome news you, that our body, in fact, is very powerful at healing and, and naturally healing. And, and that's just, just to me, that's amazing and miraculous. Our, our body is, is, I mean, our body does millions of things all the time. I mean, every, mm -hmm. it constantly monitoring and repairing every cell and replacing the cells that need to be replaced. And, and it doesn't get confused. I've never heard anybody say, you know, somehow my body put a toenail cell in my eyeball. How how did that happen? So it's just just well, just um, so amazing, isn't it? How how our body heals. Yeah, and I think that that speaks to a very basic level of what our body is. It's an amazing physiologic machine, and uh, uh, we have uh, millions of processes going on every nanosecond okay and it's in and it's in a harmonious balance and it and it's what we've done is we we're the ones knocking it out of balance by not by not taking care of it and uh uh it naturally evolved with us as we evolved in a in a manner so as to be this like i said this amazing physiologic machine but if we continue to do things on a regular basis to try to upset the apple cart well, we knock things out of order, and we cause uh, we cause chronic disease, and we cause cancer. Um, uh, there are there, uh, you know there are uh, 
natural things that occur to us as part of the aging process. That's why it's not a, uh, uh, you know, it, we don't last forever. Uh, but you know what? I think we can last a heck of a lot longer than we do today uh, by treating it better. And I, I get into a little bit of, I'm getting into a little bit of the anti-aging uh, stuff now that, now that I feel like I've really got the plant-based stuff down. And, um, and the funny thing is, at the basis of uh, anti-aging uh, is a whole food plant-based diet. So it's the same thing that's for health, uh, is the same thing is for uh, living a longer, healthier lifestyle. Beautiful. Um, I have a question here from Marikita, and she, uh, she says, is it possible to have diabetes without knowing it? And she goes on to say that she knows someone who didn't know that they were diabetic and then all of a sudden had to get a foot amputated. Yeah, really good question. And we don't talk about this enough. And that answer, the simple answer is yes. Okay. And uh, then to, to speak further about that is that um, uh, diabetes is a disorder uh, in the management of our glucose. Okay. And uh, uh, so it's, uh, it, uh, it can be going on for years. Okay. At a, at a level where people don't know about it, uh, because it, it may or may not be causing a lot of symptoms until it gets worse. Uh, some of the common symptoms of diabetes are frequent urination and, and thirst. Um, uh, those are some of the early symptoms that they can be ignored or not recognized or, or somebody may not have those symptoms. So yeah, diabetes can be occurring under the surface for many years. Uh, and people can live with diabetes uh, as uh, for many, many years without knowing about it. Um, and that's, again, where I think it's important uh, to, you know, you know, we want to live healthy lifestyles, but that doesn't mean don't go to the doctor um, uh, or, or don't do something to kind of uh, assess where your body's at. Um, and uh, that's why I talk about getting the data and using the data then to uh, make the appropriate uh, changes or focus on what you need to focus on. Uh, I think that the idea is if, if you, from a young age, the reason Maya and I do this outreach is not only do we work with my patients, but we, we do our outreach because we want to reach people when they're younger before they have problems. So if you, if you live this lifestyle from a younger age, you're going to get less of these problems that we're getting when we're older. But at the same time, um, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't be monitoring your body, checking it out and, and, uh, and, uh, and working with the data as you get it. One of those being your blood sugar and your hemoglobin A1C, which are indicators of diabetes. Well, thank you for that. Um, it looks like we're coming towards the end of our hour. Uh, we're almost finished. And I'm noticing in the comments, we, we have everybody uh, sharing their appreciation for the information that you're that you've given given us uh vegan knowledge jj uh, is saying thank you for the information as has been miriam and, and marikita everybody's appreciating what you're sharing um i guess uh here vegan knowledge jj also uh said something about supplements d3 uh and k uh, and k2 um maybe as a, a last uh comment you would you would you comment on this? Uh, I've heard that. Um, by, uh, just uh, if there's time, she would like to hear more about D three and K two in conjunction. 
Yeah. Um, you know, I, uh, uh, I'm aware of that thought process. Um, I personally don't take uh, the vitamin K2. And we're talking about um, getting pretty specific now as far as, uh, you know, your overall health and then focusing on kind of sub areas. And I have read some stuff on needing to supplement vitamin K if you do the vitamin D. Um, and I, I can't speak to that too much. Honestly, I don't, haven't read enough on it. Um, but what I would say is that if you're, you know, first, the, it, that's important, but what's really more important is a whole food plant-based lifestyle. Uh, and then once you've mastered that, then you can, again, start focusing on the, uh, the more, uh, smaller things or, or tweak the tweaks, as I say, you're going to get the biggest bang for your buck with, a uh, a whole food plant-based lifestyle approach, and then start focusing on smaller stuff, uh, as you get that down. So for the general audience out there, I wouldn't worry too much about uh, the vitamin D and the vitamin K as much as I would worry about uh, changing my diet. Beautiful. So, Dr. Riz, I, I know you're in the Dallas area and you do walk with the docs and, and uh, other activities. So for anybody, would you like to share with anybody in the Dallas area how, how they can connect with you and, and join your community there and where else they might be able to watch and, and listen to your advice? Yeah, thank you, Peter. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we both have a local outreach and then kind of a national thing. And um, uh, we do a, a weekly, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, a monthly walk with the doc, which is uh, your opportunity to come out and just we get out and walk a one mile circuit one, two or three times and uh, in a nice park around a lake. And it's your opportunity to walk and just talk with me. And I present a little health topic for five or 10 minutes and then uh, and then we walk uh, and, and get and it's just a way to try to encourage my community to get outside. And we do that uh, as a part of walk with the doc here in Dallas. And we do it on the third Saturday of every month. Um, right now we do it at noon. We may move it up to earlier in the day as it gets hotter uh, and uh and then, uh, you know, we do uh, kind of our outreach. I, I do some speaking engagements and then we do other events. Uh, uh, we're about to do a movie screening. Um, and uh, so the best way to find out about what we're doing is to either go to our website uh, or follow our social media. Um, uh, our website, uh, I'm going to tell you two names, uh, plantbaseddfw.com uh, and then healthylifestylesolutions.org. And we're, I think we're busy in uh, doing some transitions. Uh, I, I encourage people to listen to Maya's podcast, which is Healthy Lifestyle Solutions Podcast. Uh, and I'm a, a guest on there regularly, and we talk about health topics and very specifically lifestyle stuff. Um, and then uh, uh, my, my social media, uh, the main one I utilize is Instagram. There's so many of them out there today, it's so hard to keep with, up, up with all of them. So uh, we do have Facebook and, uh, and LinkedIn, but I, I, my Instagram is the most important one and it's dr for doctor underscore Riz, R-I-Z underscore Bukhari, B-U-K-H-A-R-I. Uh, so if you want to join my Instagram, it's, uh, uh, you just come, it's a public account. You can just come and join and follow along. Um, and, uh, uh, and then uh, lastly, I've got a, car a guide on cardiovascular disease and nutrition. It's free. It's a PDF guide. It's a, uh, free to download. Uh, and it's a bit.ly uh, link. It's bit.ly uh, forward slash join Dr. Riz, all one word. So bit.ly forward slash join Dr. Riz. 
Uh, so I would encourage you to go over there and download your free cardiovascular disease and nutrition uh, guide. And it has some uh, very, you know, it has some of my uh, healthy uh, recipes, uh, hibiscus tea to reduce your blood pressure and heart rate, uh, my uh, spinach and arugula salad, which the greens are very important for your heart health uh, so and your, and your blood vessel health. So those are kind of the main things. We have so much more, uh, but uh, uh, we, I, I would encourage you to join our, our mailing list and our, our social media and follow along and, and, and join. If you're in the Dallas area, join us whenever you can. We'd love to have you. Um, and then if you're outside of the Dallas area, again, uh, the podcast is a great way to follow what we're doing. Well, and we have, uh, thank you for all that. And, and we are a little bit past time, but Miriam is saying one last, one more question, please. And so I'm noticing this, um, uh, clear my conscience. This sounds urgent about, uh, saturated oil that says no cholesterol being, uh, that may have said that saturated oil may cause high cholesterol. Yeah, so, yeah, I, I, and I think I understand what Miriam's asking there. Um, the, uh, so the, I don't believe that uh, we need any cholesterol in our diet, okay, because we make our own cholesterol. And so, and we've proven that too. So for people who are on vegan uh, diets and whole food plant-based diets, they're not cholesterol deficient. In fact, we know that the lower your cholesterol, the better your overall heart health is. And our liver makes all the cholesterol we need. Now, the other thing is that uh, we, we've seen and we know in studies that high saturated fat intake increases your cholesterol level. Okay. So there's something about taking in saturated fat that increases the production of cholesterol uh, in our bodies, uh, therefore putting us at risk for cardiovascular disease. So uh, by keeping your saturated fat low, which the primary source of saturated fat is meat-based products. So it's meat, cheese, dairy, and eggs. Uh, those are the primary sources of saturated fat and the primary sources of cholesterol in our diet. By keeping those low to none, uh, then you reduce your saturated fat, you reduce your cholesterol, and you reduce your risk of cardiovascular disease. Well, excellent. Thank you. Thank you so much. And your your answers have been magnificent. And I think for many people, they're kind of the tip of the iceberg. There's so much more information, so much deeper to dive in. And and being healthy is, is and healthier is an ongoing journey. And we we certainly can can improve things all the time and tighten up what it is we're doing and and it is miraculous and and thank you for all your all your uh information and we look forward to having you again uh we did that health so everybody please go to we did it that health and join the community create a profile join our passion pods and i look forward hopefully dr riz will will be with us again to answer questions this has been so amazing and i so appreciate you and your time and thank you dr riz uh any anything you'd like to say before well, no I, I i've enjoyed it i'll be very happy to come back again and uh you know, you can do kind of some, you know, these questions and answers are really nice. And I think it's a great starting point for people. Uh, but I've enjoyed it. Uh, and uh, thank you so much for all the work that you're doing and uh, and what you're contributing to the health of our, our, our world. And uh, uh, so look forward to seeing you again.
My pleasure. Thank you. And we look forward to seeing you again. So, so long, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.